0: Temptation came back and I couldn't resist. I went in there and looked around and tried on a few things and put them all back and snuck out and shut the door and felt excited and guilty and shame and all that afterwards. But I had agreed with the enemy and said, I'll see where this takes me. Hmm. So in 2009, um, I had a first surgery to so what's called facial feminization surgery. To make your, your face look more feminine, I started on cross sex hormones and I started on electrolysis. And then, you know, that wasn't enough. So in 2010, I did some more facial feminization. In 2011, I did, you know, had GRS genital reassignment surgery where, anyway, they make a male genitalia into a neo vagina and
1: like genital reassignment surgery could that would be you know potentially life-threatening or dangerous but what you're indicating is it's not just that it's also uh even um the breast augmentation chest augmentation as well as potential as uh um, facial feminization even something like that can can have risks this
0: wasn't who i really was because i look in the mirror and i saw that amazing man that god created not this persona that I've cooked up and, you know, gave
1: the name Teresa. But also in this generation that we're living in, where there's such massive confusion about sex and identity and, you know, all kinds of things, we can, I think the the Lord wants us to really, as the church, to have uh, profound clarity about who we are as image bearers of God in our masculinity and in our femininity. So, I love the fact that God is able to restore even when we've done such outward damage to our bodies. Hey, friends, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Love and Truth Network podcast. Whether you're tuning in through Love and Truth Network or you're coming to us through Transforming Congregations, we are so glad that you're here and that you're a part of this conversation. I am really excited to have you learn a little bit more about my friend, Ted and uh, the experiences that he's had, the, the change that God has brought him through, and just the, the ongoing work. Ted is just another example of a trophy of grace. Just as everyone listening to this, anyone watching this podcast, you also are a trophy of God's grace, and we are praying and hoping that our time together is something that will encourage you, that will motivate you, that will give you uh, some hope and spur you on to, as Paul says, to love and good deeds. We want to be about that. We want to be about seeing people uh, people's lives changed and transformed, and to become abundant in their um, ministry within the kingdom and also belonging right. within the body of Christ. So we're glad that you're here. Ted, I'm so happy that you're here with us. Thank you for joining us for this podcast.
0: Well, thank you. As, as always, it's an honor and a privilege to talk to brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm always glad to share the testimony, as you know, the book of Revelation says, they overcame by the word of the testimony and the blood of the lamb. That's right.
1: Doing what I can to show. it's no, great. Well, let me just give everyone a little bit of the backstory in terms of how you you and I met. We, we we're pretty new friends. Uh, Ted and I had the opportunity of joining with some other leaders from around the country that were drawn together through the... Uh, the Organization of the Change Movement. And we came together in D.C. and had some great meetings at a couple of different uh, policy councils and family foundations there. So grateful for the different uh, ministries that are there in D.C. doing vital work. And so we were privileged to be able to utilize some of those facilities. And Ted and I had the opportunity, uh, I don't know how many people, there might have been 40 or... Forty or so different leaders from around the country, and Ted and wow. I had the opportunity to uh, to room together uh, and share a, a, a suite and uh, really happy to have uh, met this brother and heard his story, spent time with him. Uh, it's so much more fun to actually spend that kind of quality time getting to know people um, and and being around them for a period of time as opposed to just, you know, a meal is always nice to get to know people over and that kind of thing. But you and I had a little bit more time together, and I'm really grateful for that. So that's kind of how we met. And, um, and I just believe that you and I are going to be, from here on out, lifelong friends and happy for the connection. Um, And Ted, one of the things (laughs) I mentioned to you is that anyone who we have on our our, uh, podcast and we're interviewing and spending some time with, uh, we love it when they just start off our podcast by sharing a little bit of their story. So in the next 10, 15 minutes or so, if you could share with us just uh, a little bit of your background and story, what God has done in your life, we would love to uh, just listen in on that.
0: Okay, well, I appreciate that. I, I will start, and I'll probably have a few aside points, things that I think were sure. important to me that I've learned since um, that special day on March 14,
1: 2021.
0: But, Absolutely. um in the common vernacular, my story begins. Mm-hmm. When I was about eight years old, um, this was the first episode, and I really don't know why it happened. Now, I would preface by saying usually most people that have an LGBTQ background have some type of trauma in their life. <clears throat> it normally is something like it could be physical abuse, emotional abuse. It could be molestation. It could be rape or anything like that. It could be a number of things, but. I'm not saying I had that or I didn't have that. At least right now, I still haven't quite uncovered that, if that is true in my life. But I know no matter what, we're all sinners in need of a Savior.
1: We live, right. we
0: live in a fallen world. But um, many years ago, this would have been about in the mid-60s. This was before no one had ever heard of a transgender um, or anything like that. I was eight years old, and my parents were away. My brother and I were at home. and Back in that day, you had about two or three channels on a TV, and he was in the den watching TV, I think. And Hmm. For whatever reason, I was in my parents' room. Um, I don't even know why. And I just remember my mom's closet was open, and she had a blue, shiny, sparkly pantsuit. To this day, I remember it just like yesterday.
1: Hmm.
0: And the name of it was Man Catcher. (laughs) It's kind of funny. But for some reason, I was strangely drawn to it. I didn't put it on or anything. It just, you know, I just went over there, looked, examined it, and I felt an attraction to women's clothing for some unknown reason. Um, My mother and father, you know, we had a good home life. I had a brother that's four years older. You know, I we went to church every Sunday. My dad was a deacon, you know, my mom. Had, and again, this was in the mid-60s, not, nothing out of the ordinary. Um, you know, just a good family life. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was the first thing I recall. Then I can't, for some reason, again, about four or five years later, I started having an attraction to women's shoes and go-go boots. I was in the band. And, um, I remember about that time, I know this sounds, was well, crazy, but again, no, no influences from that side. I just started feeling like I, I was born in the wrong body. Mm. And I remember very clearly, um, you know, one night praying to God to make me a girl. Again, up am age 14, no abuse. I know it's very common for, adolescents when they're going through this to question things and wonder who they are. And, you know, but again, it was kind of strange and probably right after that was my, I don't know, my say first uh, kind of adventure with it in the way that um, I grew up in Alabama and at age 14, back then you could, you know, get a motorcycle license and I had a motorcycle and I delivered papers every day. And I, this was, a, you know, one of the first crazy things in my life was when I was about, I don't know, 14 or 15, I went, got on my motorcycle, I went to the local department store and bought a pair of, of boots for my sister for her
1: birthday. Mm, yeah. Yep. <laughs> but they're really for me. Got it. I yep. mean,
0: oh my gosh, I, I, it was exhilaration and guilt all bundled together. I mean, I was excited, yep. but I was scared. I didn't know, I mean, again, this thinking back, this was, you know, about 1972, 73. Again, no one's ever heard of transgender. I'd never heard of a cross-dresser. never heard of anything like that. I, it was just weird to me. Hmm. So anyway, um, a few years later, again, it seemed to kind of go off and on. Um, not really much. I, I did tell my mother at that time. And she just told me to, to get rid of them and I did. And that was kind of it for a few years. So then I remember an, another episode when I was in college one summer, I was working, um, up in Tennessee. And this would have been probably about around 1980. And was working. I I lived in a the second story of a house. The bottom story was a dentist office. The second story was like three or four rooms that they rented out to college students because it was in in Knoxville, Tennessee. And don't ask me why this 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 lady or college student had given me the keys to her room, and temptation came back and I couldn't resist. I went in there and looked around and tried on a few things and put them all back and snuck out and shut the door and felt excited and guilty and shame and all that afterwards. But yeah. the thing that was kind of interesting is like it was just, it's like I couldn't help myself. I knew it was wrong because I was brought up in a Christian home. And I was also, <clears throat> you know, in co- in high school and in college, I did was walking with God.
1: when when did you come to faith i don't remember if you mentioned that ted
0: i haven't yet but probably around 14 years of age okay okay uh, i grew up in a southern baptist church and um it wasn't in the church itself but in a city-wide crusade i believe that's when i accepted christ and it was a genuine conversion Mm -hmm. Um, before this time i had a potty mouth and when jesus came in he cleaned me up and Hmm. i mean I was actually looking back, you know, um, during my high school years, I was actually part of the Jesus Revolution. Yeah. You know, just like you know, that movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that revolution, that revival was very real. It spread all across the country from California to the East. Mm. And um, myself, I was walking, walking to Jesus, involved with a Bible study, memorizing scripture, doing evangelism. I mean, I just had a heart for the Lord. And you know, at that time in a high school of about twelve hundred, sometimes in the morning we'd have a devotion club that me and some other guys would lead, and we'd have a hundred people in the devotion club. Wow. I mean, can you imagine that today?
1: Yeah. Amazing. It's
0: literally almost ten percent of the whole high school. Hmm. So Jesus was alive in my life. I was living for him, but still I had these struggles, hmm. but I didn't know what to do. Yep. I didn't want them. I was very ashamed of them. But it just seems like they they would hit me from time to time. So then um, that was kind of about it for a while. I got married <laughs> in the mid to late, mid-80s. And unfortunately, that didn't work out. But during that time, we did adopt um, some children mm-hmm. And um, All I can say is There was a few episodes during my marriage But I got the ultimatum one day And I came to Jesus And I guess for about 10 years It seemed to just go away So You know that was good Then about 1999 I got divorced And for Some Some and again, it wasn't really an issue, but the the sad thing was I was single. I was a father, custodial father of five children.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, a couple years after getting divorced, divorce, I started dating ladies and, you know, not that I'm proud of, but was not practicing moral purity and, you know, dated several ladies, even got engaged to one. It, it just seemed like they all failed. Mm. I dated one lady about six years, and again, this was not a wasn't an issue, much of a temptation. But after it ended, it seems like I kind of had a, a crisis of faith. Um, one seems like every time I dated somebody, my chooser was broken and it failed. Number two, these feelings I just like out of the blue just came back, raging. You know, my doubting who I was. I um, you know, that God had made me uh, a girl in, in the wrong body and just, you know, I was not living in, in the right relationship with God. Because when you start doing things that are unbiblical, it tends to chip away at your faith. Sure. But again, since I've broken up with this lady and these feelings of, being born inside a rock body, which, you know, started very young, they kind of come to an apex, a critical point. And this was about 2009. And uh, during that time, this was, again, cross-dressing, and the Internet wasn't really too pop wasn't much out there. But I did find through the Internet that there was a group nationwide called SIGEP. And I would go on weekends once a month to Atlanta and play Barbie, dress up. And for those that don't know, back then SIGF was about the only outlet, but in big cities, I don't know it sounds crazy, but those heterosexual cross-dresser group. That's just about mm-hmm. all they would do is just cross-dress. Now I do want to say as an aside, the spectrum of gender identity is quite wide. Um it can be just identifying it mentally. So all the other way of going, being a transgender and cutting off body parts, mutilating yourself and stuff like that. Right. And that's how far I went. Mm. But initially, you know, I would go on the weekends up once a month to at Atlanta. It was in my local area. And there were, you know, like-minded people, like I said, birds of a feather flock together. And, mm. you know, I learned and unfortunately learned some of the, the things how to do anyway, improving those unfortunate skills. Hmm. So, about 2009, I was, you know, because when you embrace something, and at this time, I had done, I had done one of the things that I think is very critical to never agree with your enemy. I had agreed with the enemy and said, I'll see where this takes me.
1: Hmm.
0: So in 2009, um, I had a first surgery. to what's called facial feminization surgery to make your your face look more feminine. I started on cross-sex hormones, and I started on electrolysis. I mean, I don't have a beard anymore. I had every single one removed. Very painful, very painful. Hmm. And then, you know, that wasn't enough. So in 2010, I did some more facial feminization. In 2011, I did... You know, I had GRS genital reassignment surgery where, anyway, they make a male genitalia into a neo-vagina, and um, after that, I got my birth certificate changed. I got my driver's license. Everything hmm. changed. And you know, and how old were as, you, as Ted?
1: Big, at that point, how old big. were you when you went through the the bottom surgery?
0: I was fifty-two. Okay. And see, this, again, is before the current rage of, you know, being transgender. I was yeah. like on it to. Mm. I mean, there was literally two or three doctors in the U.S. that did this stuff by right. surgery. And most people went to Thailand. And, you know, I knew a lot of people that did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so in 2012, I did the top surgery, which means I got a breast augmentation, just like a woman would get. You know, if they had had breast cancer, mm. you know, reconstruction. But I, I want people to know that these surgeries are very dangerous. Mm. They're irreversible. Yep. I will never have a male anatomy again. I have two foot scars across my chest when I had them eventually taken out. Mm. Um, a friend of mine almost died. You'd have a blood transfusion. I do know of several people that have died in these surgeries. And you know, you don't hear that. No. You don't hear that. And are you talking about
1: um, the dangers of right now, are you referring to top surgery when you say that, when you mention... I'm
0: talking about any of them. I know a guy that died from facial feminization. Okay. I know another guy that um, died of, you know, genital reassignment or bottom surgery. That's just me. Yeah. That's just the ones I know of. Sure. Well, yeah, and the, I reason, I, the reason I the reason I ask
1: that Ted is because yeah. I think that a lot of people uh, would would be quit- pretty quick to understand how uh, like genital reassignment surgery could that would be you know potentially life threatening or dangerous but what you're indicating is it's not just that it's also uh even um the breast augmentation chest augmentation as well as potential is uh um, facial feminization even something like that can yeah. can have risks oh yeah yep
0: oh yeah i mean the, especially when you do with the face those are huge i mean i know one guy that did die and i know another guy that almost died mm. because there's infections and you're mucking around and stuff that God yep. didn't intend. Yep. So anyway, in 2012, I was happy. Mm. I was happy. I would look at myself on the mirror and pinch me because I finally looked like what I saw on the mirror. Mm. And you know, that, that my, I thought my body and my mind were, you know, one in the same, they weren't fighting one another. I yep. finally had arrived. Um, Another thing too is, you know, I, truly honest, I was very happy. Mm-hmm. I was very happy. I had lots of friends. Um, I had a really good buddy. We'd do stuff. It was just, you know, just a, a friendship and, you know, travel and stuff like that. But, and during this time too, I went to a, a transgender affirming church and I was even an elder for four years. Hmm um and I just so anyway for a while things were good and the analogy I like to tell people is it's like buying that expensive shiny car hmm. of course yes all through this I spent tens of thousands of dollars right um there's no insurance to pay for it. it came out of my pocket so I was not today like anyway it seems like insurance and and pays for it but not back then mm-hmm. and yes it was well into the tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. so uh, but yeah, you know, that shiny car eventually starts having problems or it gets old it doesn't look as good and you get buyer's remorse mm-hmm. and so for about eight ten years i was happy Then all of a sudden I started having this dissonance come back, but in a different way. Mm. And this time it was did I make a mistake? This wasn't who I really was because I look in the mirror and I saw that amazing man that God created. Not this persona that I cooked up and you know gave the name Teresa. And this is about um, twenty when COVID had hit. And um, part of it was my son had encouraged me to watch some films by a guy named Troy Smith, God in a Nutshell. And it got me kind of thinking back about God and you know, who he really was. Because he, he goes deep into that stuff. Mm. And so anyway, fast forward, I started having feelings of dissonance. I started having feelings of darkness and doubt and even feelings of suicide, that I had really messed up. That this was not what God wanted me to do. It wasn't who he made me. And I had made a huge mistake, and I didn't know what I was going to do. Hmm. So, um, during this time, my family, they set boundaries. My brother and sister and children set boundaries, uh, my brother and sister always called me by my first name, even when I didn't look like it. And, you know, they are Your, family bir- your birth name, right? Couple.
1: Your birth name.
0: Right, yeah, yep. Ted. My yep. real name, the one that, I was, a, that yep. I was given at birth. And, you know, they refused to call me by my fake name. And mm-hmm. I praise God for that, because mm-hmm. that is, uh, to me, the right thing to do, at least for me. And so, uh, after... In 2021, uh, these feelings just got really, really intense. Very dark, very... I, I was to the point, I didn't know what I was going to do because I couldn't keep on like this. Mm-hmm. And um part of me, which no matter how you change your exterior, it doesn't change your heart or who you really are. I always got to be tinkering or something. You know, at the time I was fixing TVs, you know, i just... When I was younger, I fixed motorcycles and cars and stuff like that. And just the tinkering part of me never went away. Mm-hmm. So my sister had given me a TV to fix and um I'd fixed it and was taken back to her and the and before this I had prayed to God, you know, quite regularly, God, if you want me to detransition, hit me upside the head with a baseball bat. Because if you ask your your wife Gary, she'll say, We man, we're pretty dense. You know, I don't <laughs> I don't take kids very well. <laughs> you know, and God normally speaks in a still small voice. I said, God, you can't do that. It's gonna have to be really loud in a baseball bat or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when you pray that you better be careful. He might
1: just answer you. Yeah.
0: So that, that that eventful day of March fourteenth. Um, 2021, I went to my sister's, took the TV back and, um, there wasn't anybody at her house but her. And she's a spirit-filled, godly lady, just really loves the Lord. And just, just anyway, just a wonderful Christian lady who, you know, knows how to fight, fight spiritually and spiritual warfare. And I said, Mary Lou, can we go on the back porch and, and talk? And I just started bawling, crying. And, um, you know, I just poured my heart her that I had messed up, but, you know, I had ruined my body and, you know, just yeah. some other things that were just eating at my soul. And um, she asked me, she said, Ted, my real name, have yeah. you ever um, had been anointed with oil and can I pray for you? And I said, I think I have, because, you know, my years, you know, through high school and through college and most of my married life, you know, I really was walking with God. But I never I tried to pray this stuff away, but it just would not go. At times, mm-hmm. it would be so compulsive. It's just, you know, just I guess it's not much different than a drug addict or alcoholic or a, a smoker. It just you just can't stop yourself. And that happened to me. So, um, I sat down and before she prayed, she said, um, hold on, something big's going to happen. She was laughing and I laughed. And Mm. so she anointed my head with oil and prayed for me and taking authority and casting out, you know, the spiritual strongholds of perversion and of suicide and, you know, other, I don't even remember several things. And that was kind of it. I was still very doubtful of what I needed to do because I still had this terrible tension in me. Hmm. So anyway, it was about three thirty. I had to go home because my granddaughter lived with me, and she she's probably aside from God, she was what kept me alive. If hmm. I had not had her, you know, living with me, I probably would have uh, not be here today. Hmm. For those two things. So anyway, yeah. I get in my truck and start driving home. And this is what's weird. Eight years earlier, my dad had told me about a sports flex. The city had built, you know, has a gym, an indoor pool, tennis courts, pickleball, soccer, softball, whatever, just, you know, yeah. big facility, walking track. And why on March 14th? And I decide to go see that eight years later? I have no idea. But I did. Turns out if I had not, I might not be here again here either. So anyway, I, you know, start going slowly around. And all of a sudden, just out of the blue, I just start crying uncontrollably. And... Um, I didn't know what was going on. Um, just for, I'll just make this brief, but it's a baseball bat experience. I felt like someone was squeezing me. I couldn't breathe. I was, you know, sort of like choking me
1: hmm.
0: and just going, uh, real loud. And the crazy is it happened seven
1: times and.
0: I honestly as going, believe as you were
1: going around the sports complex. Well, I
0: would stop because I was going yeah. really slow. You know, yeah. I'd stop and it would take about 20,
1: 30 seconds.
0: Mm. My sister even had called her doing one of these and she heard it and heard, you know, real voices. Mm. So I really believe that, that, um, seven spirits, demons, oppression, whatever you want to call it left me because immediately after that, it was like being in a dark room with the lights off and the curtain closed, and all of a sudden someone turns on the light, opens, the,
1: mm.
0: you know, the blinds, is a sunny day. I saw that my sinfulness, what I'd done was so wrong, that,
1: mm.
0: you know, this was not who God made me, that it was, you know, I had disobeyed him, and that mm. I repented, asked him to forgive me. And it was just like right then, all those desires just went poof. Wow. And so, you know, after that, you know, I continued to get back in the word. And i the, probably the hardest thing of my life was for four months, I had to wait to have my, you know, fake breast removed. And I looked in the mirror and this time. I saw who I was in my mind, but when I looked in the mirror, I had to live with that for a few months, you know, because mm. I couldn't really uh, present as a man with boobs and all that stuff yep. so i had to play along for a few months but again once that i was so freed that jesus had been merciful to me and brought me back and since then you know i'm not the same as as you know and doing everything yeah. i can to um tell people the truth
1: wow well and that's awesome so Ted, that's my, i mean yeah thank you so that's much a, that's, my, that's your story Yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to add? I don't want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to add? I don't want to cut you off.
0: No, no, I'm good. That's just the short of it. You know, you know, the things we've done together and I I guess you're probably going to go into that now.
1: Yeah. Ted, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I mean, there's, there's so much to it. Uh, I I really would love to come back around and just ask you a few questions about that for some clarity and just some deeper understanding for uh, for my audience, our audience, but also for myself. So um, one of the things that you mentioned, and I just want to um, make sure that uh, I'm clear on too, is that throughout all of this, like you were heterosexual. There was no same-sex attraction involved in any of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that has never changed for you, correct? No, it
0: never did. I yeah. mean, I know I've had that question asked, and one guy asked me that on um, when we were talking, you know, a few, few months ago, and he about fell out of the chair. He said, <laughs> "I thought all, oh, oh, everyone that went down this was was gay." I said,
1: "No, no." I wasn't,
0: well, and, and you know, the reason I want to attractive. ask you that is
1: because there's a whole bunch of people that aren't. I mean, you you had a whole network of of guys that you connected with who cross dressed and and were totally heterosexual, correct? Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yeah, yep. I mean that, and sometimes the, the wives are very supportive. Ah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I know people that have transitioned, and I know of a guy that's fully transitioned. He's been married to the same lady for 30 years, and Mm -hmm.
1: they
0: appear to be happily married. I mean, I don't get it, but I do know most of the time men go down this road and Mm -hmm. end in divorce, usually.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing I was thinking of as you were sharing as you talked about that period, and I think it's really important that you share that hey there was a there was a pretty long period of six, seven, eight years where you were really happy with having made this transition where or or or, or mm-hmm. taking on the outer appearance of a woman right. and you also mentioned the idea of it felt like the uh, your your outer appearance finally matched the wrestling that you've been going through earlier in life, um, that finally it felt congruent. But the thing that, that, um, that also struck me in what you were saying about that is, um, Of course, people can be happy making decisions that uh, that are apart from Christ. Even um, certainly as unbelievers, for sure. But sometimes, even as believers, there's a period of time where something's euphoric or something we've been under pressure Mm -hmm. for so long that when we finally get out from under it, it it feels like, like for example, coming out as gay for me. uh, You know, it felt like oh, finally the pressure's off. It feels like this is the true me, and and there's a period of euphoria for some time, but. Um, but the thing that always strikes me when I hear a story like yours, uh, you know, and, and many others is there there might have been a period of happiness, but what was the purpose of life? You know, what was the value in terms of uh, like an eternal purpose or a, an eternal value uh, or uh, of or really belonging in the body of Christ? I mean, those those things seem, and I'd love for you to to obviously speak to this, but it seems like those things wind up getting kind of lost in trying to sort of discover ourselves. And we wind up losing so much kind of time and opportunity getting, getting wrapped up in this um, pursuit that ultimately has no eternal value. What is your thought about that?
0: A nail on the head. You know, I think of the Bible verse where it says God will redeem the years that the locust ate up. Yeah. And this definitely was a period of locusts eating up. I, I look back at, I don't know. Not living morally pure, even when I was, you know, unmarried, and this. So I, I look back. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had a lot of good family time during this and things like that. Not mm-hmm. that everything was bad, but right. I sure wish I could turn back the the hands of time and know what I know now and never do this. I mean, yes, yeah. it, it took a see this is thing people don't realize i I know you do but it not only takes a toll on you it took a toll on my children yeah it took a toll on my dad my brother my sister my cousins my close friends Hmm. i mean my my friends in high school they all cut me off yeah the ones that were christians um And, you know, when I, when I came back to the Lord, I was able to, you know, to reconcile with him and confess my sin. But, you know, I've lost, what do I say, 15, 20 years of walking down the wrong road in the far country.
1: Yep. And
0: if I could ever go back, which I can't, the most that we could do is, you know, is it, as, you know, Paul says, you know, God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. Even when we mess up, he can flip it and make, you know, what little time I have left on earth. And, you know, you or any of us, yep. you know, as best we can, because I promised you, you know, almost three years ago when the Lord brought me back, I could never have dreamed what has happened. That I would be talking about it, that I've been to Washington, D.C., I've been to Florida. Yep. I've been to Louisiana and, you know, just the, the amazingness that, you know, God takes our craziness and turns it to good. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. I do want to share this. It's kind of a chuckle to me. I mean, I'm not totally sure, but I think when we walk in sin that God allows judgment to come upon us. Mm-hmm. And I've never shared this before because the light just went on. It's shortly after I transitioned out of the sun that, for whatever reason, I'll just say, took a coin collection I had, and it, I, I laugh now looking back because I, you know, that all that money I spent on my transition, it's like God said, "Ha ha! I'm gonna laugh at you. I'm gonna take it back from you." And mm. uh, just—it's crazy—the amount I spent was almost exactly what that coin collection was worth. Oh
1: wow! Okay. You know, I
0: forgive my son, but it just kind of—not saying God did do that, but it sure seems like it. And <laughs> just—you know—we we we walk against God and fight against Him, and you
1: yeah, know, it, it doesn't it, ever it turn out away. well for us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's
0: just not a good thing to do as a man reaps so he sows and
1: that's what i was or, doing or or rather as a man sows, so he reaps right
0: that's what i meant just, yeah. yeah yeah no yeah. i know what you mean yeah, yeah you yeah. reap what you
1: sow right exactly and so the yeah. um but the but what you were saying earlier just just a moment ago ted i think is so critical uh for uh certainly for you to grasp and for me to grasp and for those that are listening or watching uh this podcast that the reality is that no one else but God, uh, no one else but Jesus Christ, no one else but the Holy Spirit can, uh, mm-hmm. can actually take the kind of brokenness that we've embraced at one time, the identities that we embraced, the really working right. against uh, God's identity in our lives and, re- and establishing our own sense of identity. No one can, um, can take us from those ashes and what feels like a complete... An utter disaster yeah. when we when we f- when we wake up and see what we've done and what we've participated in. Nobody can can restore the way God can restore, and the the That's idea sort of that true. he he can actually um I mean, there, so there's there's certain things that can never be replaced. I think of I, I oftentimes uh, quote and mention Abigail Shrier's book, um, uh, irreversible damage. And it's such an important book that she's writing specifically about the transgender uh, rapid onset gender dysphoria phenomenon happening amongst primarily girls. But some of that applies to, to boys too. Um, but, but you know, that, that name irreversible damage is, is so applicable and such an inappropriate uh, name for that book, because we can do such irreversible damage in one sense to our bodies. And yet God is mm-hmm. able to restore your masculine soul And my masculine soul to it to a degree Mm -hmm. that that we can actually be fully engaged uh, once again in his kingdom work through repentance and his restoration and fully embrace we are we are men made in the image of god and that's all there is to it and that's a glorious thing to be it is yeah and and for women made in the image of god uh, that's a glorious thing to be of equal value to men Um, but of, of distinct kind of revelation of, of who God is through the feminine and through the masculine. Uh, and and so, so vital uh, that, that we learn how to live that out with integrity and, and, and get to, I, I just feel like that reality of being a man made in God's image uh, for us as guys and for women being made a woman in his image, we get to, if we would explore the depths of that, I mean, there, there, I don't think there's, through the rest of our lives, I don't think that we could mine the, the deepest value of what that even means. I think we can explore yeah. and understand, like, how can I really strengthen, as a man made in God's image, how can I help secure my brothers in their faith? How can I help lead other men who don't yet know Jesus into this fuller understanding or into this full understanding of who yeah. he is? How can I introduce them uh, to him, not only as a Savior and Lord, but but also in this generation that we're living in where there's such massive confusion about sex and identity and you know all kinds of things we can i think the the lord wants us to really in the, as the church to have uh, mm-hmm. profound clarity about who we are as image bearers of god in our masculinity and in our femininity so i love the fact that god is able to restore even when we've done such outward damage to our bodies
0: oh yes So true, so true. I couldn't agree more. And see, um, to piggyback on that, you know, I have scars on my body that I'll go to the grave with. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the thing I think about is just like the scars Christ has for us Mm -hmm. in his wrists and in his feet. Mm -hmm. I have scars that remind me, you know, of the price he paid for me. And, you know, when I think about that, it just makes me want to weep. Why would he give me a second chance? Mm. Why would he pull me back from the far country from living a self-destructive life? But it's because he loves us so much.
1: Yes. And if
0: people could just grasp that a little bit, they would run to him like you and I have and others. Yep. And another thing that's important to remember is that, as you said, is the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. And Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. That's what mm. we're experiencing. Yes. But, you know, the, the kill, steal, and destroy is quite literal. I was on a course to take my life. The yeah. thief had, had, had messed my mind up, and I bought the lie. And see, that's another thing too, is that part of this was I bought the lie, just like Eve did in Adam and in the garden. This, this knocking on my door that, you know, you're, you're, you're really a girl in a man's body. Mm-hmm. I bought that lie, hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. And that's a lie. And it's so important. It's, it's been part of my recovery is to get deeply immersed in the Word, to understand that I'm fearfully and wonder, wonderfully made. God right. made me in His image, and He made us male and female. not I used to think a combination and met. Some combination, no. It, it's, if you look at it in the language, it's very explicit, male, female. Not, nothing yep. mixed together. Yep. And so when you try and mix those things up, And, and, you know, the sad thing is, and you don't hear a lot about this, is that when, I guess it really doesn't matter what age, but when people go down this transition road, the um, suicide rate increases like 20 to 40 percent. So it's not a solution. I mean, and these things are irreversible. I'll never have my male anatomy back. You know, you start at a young age and you'll never be fully developed on puberty blockers. Right. Um, You'll never come to maturity to be the man or woman that God designed you to be Mm -hmm. and to enjoy His gifts and the the bounds of marriage.
1: Yeah. Well, it seems like we're having this massive experiment too that, and you mentioned um, when we get on puberty blockers and that kind of thing at an early age, the uh, even things like bone development and brain development oh, we yeah. don't have any idea what these off label uh so called treatments are doing to children i mean we we have quite a good idea of of where it's leading them and the destruction that they're going down uh the path that they're going down, but we don't really have we have no long term understanding of how it's going to affect their bodies over the course of time and and that's a huge concern. You mentioned the suicide rate <laughs> I've read that, that the, the suicide rate is actually for those who are post-surgery after, for those that go through that, I don't know if it's top and bottom or one or the other, but after surgery that at some point, uh, the, the suicide, um, not just attempt, but actual suicide is 19 times that of the average population. Not 19%, mm-hmm. but 19 times that of the oh, average wow. population. The other thing that I've read is that, um, and in multiple uh, sources, is that uh, it is usually, I think, and, and you're a great example of this, and why I, that's why I'm bringing it up, is that it it's around 10 years or so that where many people begin to feel this deep sense of regret about what they've done. Now for many, I think it happens sooner than that, but for a, uh, for a good number, uh it's actually um significantly longer than than you know in, in, into the 8 to 10 year time frame 12 year time frame where right, they start right. to feel like what have i done what have i they begin to feel the incongruence of what once felt congruent in this change that they've they've made to their bodies um yep. that again is is irreversible on some levels obviously you've done everything that you can to to reverse what you can but there's limitations right
0: the only thing I could undo is this. Yep. I mean, I can't undo the bone that was shaved from yep. my face. I can't undo the bone they took off here and, and other things mm-hmm. like that. I mean, you can't right. un- un- undo that. And- Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. Please join us next week for part two of this interview.